welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting and it is Christmas Eve and there's nobody uh, that I'd rather spend it with than my good pal, a uh, longtime Peterson's Bowhunting contributor, Mr. Clint Casper. Clint, Merry Christmas to you and the boys. My man, Merry Christmas to all the birds and the Peterson's Bowhunting family. I'm happy to be here. This, there's no best way to start off Christmas than right here like this with you and I. It's as good as it gets. Now, I have to come clean here in full confession. You had to call me this morning. I was sitting upstairs enjoying my coffee, hanging out with my wife and my son and uh, just sitting in the living room, enjoying uh, some pre-holiday conversation. And uh, old Clint Casper called and said, hey, weren't weren't we supposed to do a podcast at 10 a.m.? That's what I get paid the big bucks for. I'm the best assistant slash partner in crime Peterson's Bowhunting will ever give you, Berg. Well, you know what, Casper? It just goes to show that you know, I'm glad somebody is on the ball and I am I am paying you to stay on top of things so that, you know, I can I can just mail it in for the holiday. You got it. You got it. This morning I checked a few cameras, saw that I had a nice bucket daylight last night at a stand that I was not in. So that's promising. That's great. Now it's 52 degrees today. So that's good, too. I've got to love this Ohio weather. Not. Yeah, well, that's a good entry, though, for our discussion, because. Oh, it's yeah, kind of yeah. been kind of been a tale of two seasons for you and I this year, hasn't it? Uh, you know, I I've killed a couple, well, several good bucks, and uh, golly, Casper, you've uh, killed. Uh, let me hang on. Let's count up all the. Oh wait, let's not count up all the things you've had. You've had sort of a very unusual year for you, and like you said, you're still trying as we head into late season to get the bead uh, on a big buck there in Ohio and the weather's not doing you any favors. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, um, I'll never use the word bad year of bow hunting because in my opinion, there is no such thing as a bad year of bow hunting. I've had, um, I've had a tough year. I will say that I've had a tough year as far as tags go, but I'm the type of guy where I don't want to base everything off of whether you punched a tag or not. And I mean, I try sometimes have to remind myself of that. There's more to it than that. And starting this year off, you know, it was a big goal of mine uh, to help my good buddy, Kurt Geyer over at We're the Best Bowhunter podcast. Shout out to those guys. I wanted to, he drew a really special tag, uh, a Wyoming buck tag, memory of his dad. And that was my pretty much my main focus. And I've said that in a couple podcasts. I've I've stated that before on social media. You know, my main goal was I wanted to see him fill that tag. And if I only saw that tag get filled and I didn't fill any of my own successful season, well, lo and behold, Devin and I were able to get him on a great high country mule deer in full velvet. I got to watch the shot go down. I got to be there. I mean, it was very emotional. It was it was a great pack out. Um, we spread some of his dad's ashes right there where he killed the buck in the basin, um, left his light at Knoxville for him. I mean, just, you know, the fact that we accomplished that for me made my whole season. That's kind of how it all kicked off um, for me. From there, it's been it's been tough. You know, I've had opportunities to kill some bucks and bulls. Um, they just weren't the bucks and bulls I wanted to kill so far. So, you know, Utah, I think I've spent 47 days chasing elk and uh, just got back from the dreaded elk hunt in two foot of snow and 10 degree weather, a hunt that you would have loved to be on. I know for sure you would have, I know you were watching those, the, you're watching me post stuff. Like, I, 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 I saw your social media and every post I saw, you're standing there in knee deep snow and I'm thinking, let me tell you something, buddy, you can have it. You can absolutely <laughs> have, you can have it all. I hope you kill a big buck, but I'm not, I'm not running around out there uh, in the knee deep snow all day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the adventure, but uh, yeah, I've spent 47 days in Utah chasing bulls and bucks and here in Ohio, pretty sure my main target buck 
Um, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and complain. I've let some really, really great deer walk. I've sent you photos of them. A couple of them, you've really shook your head and questioned my sanity. Um, I had one deer in mind. Have not seen him since. The, I've not had a picture of him since November 19th. Pretty sure um, he was wounded, not recovered. I'm hoping he is still alive. But I'll be honest, I'm really questioning, uh, really questioning that. So I went to plan B. Um, now it's okay, I need to find some other bucks that I can go after. Um, so that's been a struggle. Um, have gotten on two since then. I've got like seven or eight Maltries running and cell cams and a couple, uh, I got a couple old school cameras running. I think I got 10 cameras running right now. Um, I do have two good bucks, two older bucks, um, two bucks I would be more than happy to wrap a tag around. Starting to show up, hopefully here in the next couple weeks, get some cold snow, that'll help me out. But regardless, I've just been enjoying it. I mean, although the tags haven't been punched, man, I've got to experience, I mean, so many days in the back country and got to bow hunt a lot here in Ohio, been chasing a giant around, hasn't panned out, he might be dead, might not, I don't know, but I've just been rolling with it, you know? I mean, the, the punches have come in, Eric, and I've just had to duck them, you know? I'm still I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. It's not over yet. I'm going to fill this buck tag in Ohio. It just might take me to the end of the season. I have till February 7th, I think, 6th, 7th, well, something like that. Now, how many times, how many different trips did you make out to Utah this fall? Three? Five. Five. I've been to Utah. So I went out for the opener for six or seven days that would have been my mule deer velvet buck tag that started on august i believe 20th was out there for six or seven days came home for a week drove to wyoming Devin and i helped kurt um accomplish his mission drove from wyoming back to utah um but let me backtrack when I was in Utah on the opening on the opener, found an absolute giant that spoiler alert, Devin ends up killing. It goes right at 238 inches gross. Found that buck, um, turned in my Colorado tag. From Wyoming, I went back to Utah to hunt that deer. Did not go to Colorado. Um, once in a lifetime buck, had to keep hunting him. We did not find him. Um Left, came home for two or three weeks, did a bunch of farming, spent time with the kids, finished up soccer. Let's see, went back out to hunt elk, total bust, awful weather, moon phase didn't help me. I'm back home, spent 12 or 13 all day sits in a stand, back to Utah to hunt the mule deer, back to pool draw a couple times, never panned out. Um, unfortunately, wasn't able to fill my my muley tag back home two weeks later reddit elk hunt 10 degrees two foot of snow was out there for seven days the season ended the 15th got back and here i am now looking for this trying to find these again and that's that's so, so, up, so you basically did three trips out there for mule deer and two yep. trips out there for elk Yep. And you were on, you were on, yeah, you were on animals every oh, trip, but absolutely. you just never had the right moment present itself. Right. I had a couple close calls with some good bucks I would have killed. Um, Devin ended up killing that buck, I think, November 1st. So when I went back to hunt the rut, it was pretty much just, hey, any good buck that gets me going, I'm going to kill. But until he got killed, all my trips were consumed with my buddy Martin and my buddy Devin. We wanted to try to, I wanted to see one of us three get that buck killed. I didn't care who killed it. I was just hoping to be there. Fortunately, I wasn't able to be there when the buck actually got killed. But super, super, super stoked for my good buddy Devin to get that buck killed. But yeah, I mean, I have had opportunities and I could have killed bucks that were, you know, probably other people would have been thrilled to kill. but. It just wasn't, you know, I'm the type of guy where I'm not just going to kill a buck to kill a buck. And I've kind of got a, a bar set. And I guess the eye test for me is usually what it is. If I see a buck or bull coming and I don't have to think about it, I'm like, oh, man, shooter. For me, that's an immediate, like, that's a good one. That's one that 
I'd be happy to wrap my tank around. And um, I've never been a guy that wants to, I guess, talk myself into shooting, you know, shooting a buck or a bull just to fill the tag. Like, you know, I either really want to, man, yep, that's, that's one I'd kill or I've got to think about it. It's just, just not the one for me, you know? So I ate a buck tag and um, I'm okay with that. I mean, honestly, you know, Hey, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm all right with that. It was fun. It definitely wasn't for lack of effort. Um, that's one thing out of this year so far that I'd like to say I've prided myself on is every hunt I've come back on, I've looked back and been like, man, you gave it everything you had every day. And that's always what I strive to do, whether I punch a tag or not is I don't want to look in the mirror and, and think, man, I could have hunted harder or I shouldn't have slept in those two mornings or, you know, the last day I could have hunted a half a day, but I packed it in and just set out the heck with it. Like, nope, I've taken it down to the wire. A couple of those trips, I, Two out of the five, I rescheduled for an extra day or two, which I know you're going to laugh because you know I'm known for doing this. Um, spent the money, squeezed another day or two out, just trying to make something happen. And so, like I said, you know, effort-wise, um, adventure-wise, man, I've got to see a lot of cool stuff. I, I've got to, you know, uh, as far as just what I've got to experience so far this year, wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to punch the tag. There's no doubt I'm, I'm that way too, but there's more to it than just that. And uh, I'm a better bow hunter and a better guy for a season like this, to be honest. I mean, at the end of it, I'll be able to look back on things that worked, things that didn't, and, and what I did good and what I need to work on. And that's that's ultimately how a guy gets better doing this, especially the Western public land stuff. I mean, you always got to be evolving and growing and figuring out how to do this better or how to prepare better so there's a lot of positives that come with quote-unquote not filling a tag which is you know the main goal obviously that's why we all want to go do it but uh that's where i'm at uh, unlike you i mean you killed so many animals i don't even know i mean five well, sabers, six deer an elk a bear a moose i mean a caribou porcupine you know, I, i've lost track of what you've done because you know well the, the port it was a very, very productive porcupine season. So, well, you, you know, you did well. Yeah. Um, well, in all seriousness, as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking, you know what really, uh, you know, happened to Clint this year is the law of averages just caught up to you because bow hunting, as we all know, is not really a high odds proposition. And nope. Quite frankly, you had beaten the odds like regularly for the last, oh, I don't know, three, four, five years. You've been punching just about every tag. And to your point, you know, on some of that highly pressured public land, you know, that like you you, you mentioned often, um, you know, that unit that you're hunting out there in Utah like that's on the Wasatch Front or something, right? Yep. And it's yep. one of the most, it's not that far from Salt Lake and it's one of the most heavily pressured like public land areas out there in Utah. So, you know, the things that you guys have managed to accomplish there relative to the amount of pressure has been pretty amazing, not just yourself, but like you said, Devin, uh, other friends that, you know, you've yep. got out in that area. You guys have really had quite honestly, more than your fair share of success. So, you know, to have a year like this as as disappointing as it can be in some respects, it's not to be unexpected. And like you said, you know, you learn, you take your sort of take your lumps and and see what you can figure out from it. And they always say, you know, you learn more from your failure than you do from your success, you know, and I think that there's there's some truth to that, you know, which which brings me to myself, you know, and and, uh, you know, my whole word for my season is efficiency because yeah. it was almost stupid how like lucky, I guess, or efficient I was in uh, my my hunting this year. Now, now I didn't have, you know, quite as many um you know, tags as I might in, in some years. It was really a whitetail focused year for me, basically, you know, Pennsylvania here at home, uh, out in Kansas and then Ohio, which kind of turned into a bit of a bonus hunt 
And, you know, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the time that I spent in Ohio, because that was when you were in town and yep. in between and in, in between a couple of your Western Johnson. Yes. I mean, I killed a, a great buck there uh, at one of uh, your dad's farms there in Ohio. And you were passing up. You were hunting that giant eight all fall. And you yep. literally you passed up a couple of deer. While I was there, I like, I was sitting in a tree, you were in another tree like five miles away and you were passing up deer and, and Ryan, your other buddy, Ryan and I were just like beating our heads into the wall because we're like, what in, what in the world is Clint doing passing up these deer? So we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, just to kind of sum it up, right? I mean, here, you know, there's a couple couple things that I would say, you know, we talked about the law of averages and sometimes as a bow hunter and Lord knows I've been there many times, you run into a streak like Clinton has experienced this fall and you just, you just hit a dry patch and it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of having a good area to hunt or good animals in the area. It just doesn't happen. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about it sometimes, Clint, like I know you're super positive and you've obviously taken, you know, a really good attitude here as we discuss it today. But I'm sure there are times when you're tired, you know, you've been in the tree or you've been out there on the mountain days after days. And like I know for me, I just start to think like when I'm in one of those rough patches, like you start to sit, sit there and you're like, it's a miracle that anybody ever kills anything with a bow and arrow because like there's a million things that have to come together. Like I need, you know, a particular animal to walk to a particular spot and the wind has to be in a certain direction and I have to be able to move, you know, and get drawn and make the shot and the shot's gotta be. And it's like, how does this ever happen? And then when you're going through a season like I just had, you're like, oh, there's yeah. nothing to this. Like, I just roll out of bed. You could literally, like, walk me to any tree in the woods and I'll go up there and shoot a deer this year. Um, you know, Pennsylvania, I really only hunted seriously a couple of times and killed my buck on my first sit in a new spot that I had scouted out. It was a spot that I knew was probably gonna be good once the buck started to move and I killed my first time there. I went out to Kansas and I think I killed on the third day, but yep. like I had good hunts every sit and I was doing an, I did an all day sit. I think that was like November 7th or 8th yep. or something like that. So it was pretty prime time. There was a stand. In, in a great uh, pinch point, basically. And I just knew I sat there the first day, the first I think it was the second morning of the hunt was the first time I sat there. And that morning, when I just looked at the layout of the landscape around that stand and from what I saw in the stand and what I observed the deer doing, I was just like, this spot is gold. I was like, if you just sit here, you're going to kill. So I sat there that morning, came back the next morning and told you know, the folks I was hunting with, listen, I'm just going to stay here all day and yep. ended up ended up killing a really nice buck, 146 inch uh, nine pointer at 340 the next afternoon. So um, that was just a situation, kind of a classic peak rut all day sit kind of a thing and caught that buck cruising through, made a great shot. He was like seven yards. Um, yeah, my Pennsylvania buck was 12 yards. Uh, so 12 yards, he came in, made a scrape, worked a licking branch, stepped out into an opening, looked the other way, like everything you would want as a bow hunter, heart shot him at 12 yards. Uh, Buck in Kansas, same thing, came down the trail, got like seven yards from my stand and like looked the other way, heart shot him at like seven yards and then came out to Ohio and had that hunt with you. And I think, what was that? That was my like second day, right? Second day of hunting in Ohio. Uh, had a great hunt the very first morning at a different farm, was at full draw on a big 10 pointer. He needed to take one more step. Yeah, couldn't, didn't, didn't end up getting the shot on that deer. And then the next evening, killed a great sort of non-typical funky uh, buck there uh, at Timmy's lease. And uh, yeah, he came out into this food plot that was red hot that week down in that farm. Ryan, Ryan killed out of the same stand like a few days before yeah. I did. Buck comes yeah. out. I, I hit him with an estrus bleat. He came right into the woods on my side of the plot, stood in a scrape, and I heart shot him at 39 yards. So I literally hunted 
you know, three days in Kansas, two days in Ohio. I hunted, you know, more days than that in Pennsylvania. But honestly, I was just kind of playing around doing observation sits. Honestly, a couple a couple days of serious hunting in Pennsylvania. So, again, it was like bing, bang, boom, you know, just super efficient. And going back to what you said kind of earlier, like, our, you know, you said you'd be a better bow hunter. And I think about it. I'm like, you know, am I a better bow hunter? Because I killed three deer, uh, you know, in relatively rapid succession uh, versus you. Who, who didn't kill anything and did all that hunting. Like, honestly, it, it one isn't good and one isn't bad. And one doesn't mean one guy's great. And, and it means you stink. You know, it's like, we're both good bow hunters. We both hunted good areas. We both, you know, did all the common sense things that bow hunters would do. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, let's just call it what it is. When you're good, you're good. And bird, Freaking good. That's just what it is, Christian. When you're good, you're good. Animals walk by you and they just know I'm going to die today. It just is what it is. Well, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to go there. But you know what, Casper, I got to hand it to you. You know, um, in all seriousness, there is one thing that was a bit of a change for me this year. And I really, really think it made a big difference. And people are gonna gonna laugh when I say this, uh, just because it's so trendy right now in the bow hunting world. But I I hunted out of a saddle quite a bit this year. Now, now I didn't kill my Ohio buck in a saddle. I was in a hang on that Ryan had put up uh, where we both killed. But my Pennsylvania buck, as well as uh, a doe that I just shot actually in rifle season here in Pennsylvania. And then that stand in Kansas was a new stand that had been put up this summer. And I was the first and only person to hunt that stand this yeah. fall. So really the common theme is first time sits, which is a long time, like, you know, truth that we talk oh. about. But the saddle in particular I actually want to share a rifle story, if you'll allow me, Clint. So during the rifle season, just a couple of weeks ago here in Pennsylvania, I went back to the same area where I had killed my buck back in late October, last week of October. And I, I was set up a little bit further in the woods, but I was just, I was only about 20 yards in off the back of a big cornfield. And then it goes up a mountain uh, off of that. And so the deer bed up there, and they come down in the evenings and, uh, you know, shot that buck cruising there uh, at dusk back in late October. But here, you know, in December, that cornfield had actually been part of it had been standing for quite a while. The farmer had only finished cutting it during the rifle season, which was pretty late. And so there was a lot of corn, you know, a lot of waste grain out in the fields. And I knew deer would be coming to that field. So I went back to that same area and I went up a tree literally right on the edge of the field, you know, where the woods meets the open cornfield. And I only used two sticks. I was about, my feet were about seven feet off the ground. And I was hanging there with my 270. And right at dusk, I heard the leaves rustling behind me. I was hanging in my saddle facing out into the field. So I couldn't see my backside because I, I knew deer would be coming out. And I figured, I mean, with my rifle, I could shoot to my left and to my right quite a ways. And I figured I'd be able to get them more or less wherever they came. Well, wouldn't you know it, this giant doe and her two yearlings, literally right behind me, I can hear the leaves rustling. I know there's deer coming. I don't want to move. This deer comes out six, seven yards to the right of me and steps out into the field. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And she was so close at that point that I couldn't actually get my rifle pointed low enough comfortably. I let her walk out about 40 yards into the field and I shot her and she died, you know, right there in the field. The reason I share that is because that is just a perfect example of where I wasn't very high in the tree. I had a little bit of cover, but it wasn't great. I mean, I'm wearing my blaze orange and I know the deer don't really see that and everything, but the point is the woods are bare. I mean, it's the first week of December. Everything is right. stark. And 
Yeah. Why did why did that those deer run right out into the field? I mean, they were moving. They were excited to get out into that cornfield. I guarantee you, it was because nobody ever was in that tree before. She had no reason to be worried or concerned. And that saddle, like just moving to new places all the time. I'm telling you, man, that is the key. It's not like you know when you hear you can do right. There's whole podcasts out there about nothing but saddle hunting. And there's whole a million social media groups about nothing but saddle hunting. And guys will analyze every last little piece of gear and talk about how many ounces everything weighs and blah, 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 blah. You can go as deep as you want to go into all that. But I'm telling you, just as somebody who's gotten into it the last couple of years, I don't go totally geeked out on every little aspect because I'm not going deep into the backcountry. I'm mostly hunting within four or 500 yards of the vehicle, but it's just the, the convenience of being able to carry everything you need to go up a tree, the mobility. And I am telling you, catching the deer off guard is so key. So it's not about... It's not about always how high you are. It's not about, you know, how fast you can climb. Are you a one sticker? Are you repelling out of I mean, you can do all that stuff, but it's really at its most basic level. It's just setting up a fresh ambush. And that was so key because even though, you know, even think about that Ohio buck, Ryan killed out of that same stand. But that was a fresh stand and that was peak rut. And there was new bucks coming onto that farm every day. So, well, yeah. He only yeah. spent one day. He was only in that stand for a couple hours one evening and two hours the next morning. And that he killed. You were only in that stand, what, two hours, two and a half two and hours? A, two, two and a half hours tops. Right. So, I mean, that stand had about six hours of seat time the whole year. And that was it. And two good bucks. Yep. So, you know, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was lucky, basically, you know, only thing I mean, like I said, it's not complete luck, right? It's hunting good areas. It's hunting good spots. Yes, they were scouted out, but you could go sit those stands any given day and not see anything worth shooting. You know, the only and the the only thing I can really take credit for is just making the shots, you know, being prepared to make the shots. Like I said, two of them were slam dunks and the one at your place was the longest and, and it still wasn't that far. And that was kind of a weird situation too, because it turns out I made a perfect shot, but I was a little, I was a little sketchy on that blood and the way the deer reacted and everything. We let that deer uh, at Clint's lay overnight. And then we went back and found him the next morning and Turns out we had a great blood trail and it took us all the way to that deer. But um, at any rate, it all worked out. I mean, we had to bring in our number one track dog, my youngest son, Keaton. I mean, without his help, I mean, at, at two, two and a half, one on three, I just don't think we would have found that buck. I don't think you're giving him enough credit. I mean, that was a tough blood trail to find. And luckily, Keaton, he's trained. I mean, he got right down there, knows the blood. I said, all right, son, you need to find this deer. He shook his head and said, I'll get him, Bert. And I, we got the buck. I mean. He was like a bloodhound on an escaped convict, man. There was no <laughs> holding him back. I mean, you had him on the leash and oh, yeah. you were, Clint was digging his heels into the ground. He's like, hold back, man, hold back. We're going to get there. Oh, he was, he was into it, man. That was awesome. I can't thank him enough. He still talks about that. He he, uh, he can't remember your name. It's always, but the one thing that stuck is that I told him, I said, now you got to do a good job. I said, remember, I said, Kristen's your dad's good buddy. But I said, Kristen's your dad's boss too. And he always reverts back to that stuck with you. He'll go, remember? Remember when we found that buck? Remember, Dad? And I was like, yeah, who's it with? Your boss. That's it. He, he can't remember Kristen, but he'll remember your boss. And oh, he had such a good time. The amount he, of people he, that have that have told me that they've seen or ran into Keaton with his mom or Keaton with my mom and dad or when we've been out and we've seen they people that have come to me and said the that story has been told by Keaton to so many people about he, he was so proud to tell everybody that he he found that buck for you and like I said you know it's always well that's, that's my dad's boss's buck you know he can't remember Christian he, he, for some reason that name won't stick but. 
he's so dang proud to tell people about that. So it, it all worked out great because that was his first real blood tracking job. Um, he got to be with me, you, Ryan, and Ryan's dad, and and it was it was fun having us all there. And then my dad ended up swinging by after we already found the buck, so it was really cool. He got to kind of be with the guys and experience all that. But all oh, that left a, that left an imprint. I mean, he talks about that all the time that story has been told by him many 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 times he was very proud of uh very proud of that moment well i really like uh i really like some of those pictures that we got with the three of yeah. us and uh he did uh he did find my my arrow there was uh yeah. the, the one piece of my arrow there right on the trail by that power line and he was yep. on it man and that was a great blood trail for a kid to come oh, on because yeah. that was one of those you know, blood trails that pretty much a blind man could follow. So oh, yeah. uh, it was great, great, uh, great opportunity for him to be along with us. And I'm glad that, you know, it was worth waiting overnight just for that, you know? Yeah, no, really absolutely. That. Um, that was a cool, uh, that was a cool moment. I'm glad it got to kind of pan out the way it did. Unfortunately, Easton, my oldest, he was in school and, didn't want to pull him out to miss. Kind of wish now I would have, but gosh, with, with everything going on in the world, I tried to not let him miss school because you never, you know, they've already had some stuff shut down and he's had to miss some days and whatnot, but he's been on a few blood trails. That was Keaton's first though. So yeah, that was a good one. That was a good first one for him. He, uh, he was pretty, pretty excited. Well, you know, it's, uh, as I just look back, you know, and, and again, you, it's the old uh, like 10th grade, you know, essay assignment, compare and contrast, you know? So like yeah. com compare Christian's season to Clint's season and contrast. And it's like, which yeah. one would you rather have? You made a comment earlier, you know, that you, you spent all those days out there and you didn't punch any tags and you're still obviously at it. You're still in the game. You've yeah. got over a month left in Ohio. And you, you yeah. said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know? And I look back, and I'm like, man, I had a great season. I wouldn't trade it for the world either. And I think it's like just keeping everything in the right perspective, right? Because it's like I said at the beginning of talking about my season, you know, that doesn't mean I'm a good bow hunter and you're not or one's better than the other. And same thing about the seasons. It doesn't mean my experience is better than your experience. Right. No, for sure. I mean, I think in today's world, with social media and with everything, it's quick to judge or be, um, I hate to even say the word, but be jealous of someone else's success or judge your success off someone else or look at someone's Instagram page and all oh, they've killed five animals, I haven't killed any. And it's, it's so easy to get caught up in that circle and not just be happy about your own wins and losses. And, and hey, you know, you win some, you lose some, you know, what went well, what worked, what you know, you can compare and contrast your own success and failures, but when you start comparing to, oh man, I haven't killed nothing. That daggone bird, he's killed 28 animals this year. You know, that's where guys get in trouble. And I think when you start to do that, you got to almost reel yourself back in and look at the big picture of, hey, everyone's got their own bow hunting story. Everyone's got their own life story. You know, you can't compare what you did versus what this guy did or your season to this season, or even comparing last season, you know, my good buddy, Brian Barney always talks about not resting on your laurels, you know, not going, man, I had a great year last year. So I don't really need to work for this year. It'll be fine. I'm just, I've had four or five great years. I'm going to kill no matter what. That's just what happens. Like, no, that's, you know, the animals don't look at it like that. They don't care how many followers you got. They don't care how many animals you killed last year. They don't care how many miles you hiked, how many nights you slept on the mountain. Every year is a new year. Every hunt's a new hunt. Every day is a new day. So I think, you know, seasons like what I'm having right now, some would say, oh, man, it really knocks you back down to reality. Well, I mean, I almost, I guess you could say, you could say that after having a couple really good years, but I try to keep the big picture always in the back of my mind of reality truthfully is not punching tags, not the other way around. I don't look at bow hunting reality as, man, I'm going to fill all these tags. I look at it as bow hunting reality. If you look at the odds, whether it's whitetails, antelope, mule deer, elk, they all aren't very good. So reality is you're not going to punch tags. And when you do, it's extra special 
And it's kind of the glass half full mentality is the way I look at it. I mean, if you're going to judge every bow hunt and every trip on whether I kill or whether I don't, you know, you're going to have a lot of unhappy moments and you're not going to like bow hunting very much if that's the only thing you're focused on. So I try to really focus on, hey, why am I out here, you know, to have a good time and have fun? And if I'm hunting tags, does that make it more fun? Absolutely. We all love to be able to be successful. That's that's the name of the game. Yeah, you 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 hit on it. You hit on it right there. I mean, that's word that you used is fun, right? And it's and I, you know, I come back to that all the time, right? When you and yeah. I talk, like going back to like being in the snow. Right. To me, right? I just I hate hunting in the snow, and right. when it's super cold, I yeah. just don't enjoy that. Right. Um, but that's just me, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's got to be fun. I mean, to me, if bow hunting isn't fun. There's no right. point at all because, you know, none of us really need to do this to eat, right? I mean, yes, right. we right. we love, we like to eat the stuff that we kill, but we can still buy food if we need food, right? We're doing this right. for something more than just that. And yeah. you choose your experiences. And so yeah. uh, we could say that you had some tough luck this year or that it was a hard season, but to your, to your point, you know, like nobody put a gun to your head and said, hey, you have to shoot that giant eight at your place or nothing else. And you passed up some great bucks and there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's fun for you or if that's what you decided you wanted to do this fall, then that's great. Now, again, like contrast that with me. Right. I, I only really was going to be able to hunt Ohio if I was fortunate enough to tag out a little early in Kansas, yep. and then that gave me those few extra days in my schedule where I could drive on my way home from Kansas to Pennsylvania, stop at your place. I knew I only had a few days. Well, I obviously wasn't going to set a goal to like only hunt one buck, right? I was going to say, hey, I got three days. I want to hunt and the first mature buck that gives me an opportunity, I'm going to shoot that deer if I can and be thrilled. And that's what happened. But you could have killed, you know, umpteen number of mature deer. And so you chose to do that. And if that's fun, then then it's a great experience, you know. And if you decide one day that it's not fun anymore, you can shift your strategy and choose to yep. do something else. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. I mean, no one's holding a gun to anyone's head on, you know, you want to saddle hunt, saddle hunt. You want to crossbow hunt, crossbow hunt. You want to wait on a 150, wait on a 150. You want to shoot the first deer that walks by, that ends up being a spike. Shoot the fuck, shoot the spike. I mean, that's, you know, shoot what's fun, shoot what, you know, hunt the way you want to hunt. And you can't get caught up in what everybody else is doing or what someone tells you you used to do. Or maybe it's, um, oh man, I would have killed that buck, but. My buddies, you know, they wouldn't have shot it there again. You, you got to, you know, I think as a whole society hunting, I think everyone needs to shift back to fun and, and, and doing what each of us like to do. You know, maybe you put a bow sight on your bow that I don't like. And I might think, man, I would never shoot that sight. Well, but uh, I might have, and I, and I might have done that this year. You remember I shot, uh, I shot my Pennsylvania and Ohio bucks with that new Garmin Zero right. X1i right. Pro. Now, would you ever shoot? Now, I, I I mean, I think it's a really cool sight, but I'll also admit that the reason that that was on my Matthews is because, like, it's part of my job, right, to test out new stuff. Yeah. And they had sent me one. And so I had to put it on there and set right. it up. And one, once I shot it, uh, you know, I realized kind of like how – cool it was and i used that but right. like is that something you know not that you would never do it necessarily but would you just gravitate towards something like that i would not i mean half the states i hunt you, you're not allowed to use it anyway um, a lot of the out western states that i hunt you couldn't even use that so that would be a downfall for me um i don't see me probably ever relying on that technology I, it'd be hard for me probably to make that switch just because you're relying on that thing to hopefully not fail or glitch out or, or something happen. And I'm, I'm very hard on equipment. It's, I am extremely rough. My bow, my, my V3 this year looks like 
it got thrown down a mountain. It didn't get thrown down a mountain, but it looks like it did. I mean, I am extremely hard and tough. So I would maybe be a little nervous, you know, on that aspect. Um, but I mean, in states where you could use it, like deer hunting wise, turkey hunting. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would see no reason, you know, would I personally want to take it on the mountain? I would not half the states. I wouldn't be allowed to anyway because of the rules and regulations. So that would really deter me, but there are you know. Yeah, well, it's funny. I just, I just, um, we just shipped our March issue to press and it's our equipment issue, right? So it's all the new gear for 2022. And I actually wrote my column. I, I shared the story of my Ohio buck very briefly, not all the details, but I talked about that site because that was one piece of new gear, you know, brand new technology that really played a role in my success this past fall. And I talked about how when I first put that thing on my bow, I was skeptical because, you know, I said, everybody's a creature of habit. And I said, I've been using, you know, I've been using a handheld rangefinder, right? That hangs around my neck forever. You know what I mean? Like, and ranging spots and knowing like different distances. And then you know, just having a fixed pin sight and drawing and, and knowing which pin to use. And so I didn't feel like there was a problem with that, you know? And yeah. so so to go to this where you said, you know, you're counting on something to come through, that it's not going to fail, that you're not going to have an obstruction that prevents you from getting like a range at full draw yeah. or anything like that. It was a bit of a, a, a process to kind of accept that and move forward. And it definitely worked fine. But uh, yeah, I mean... It, everybody, everybody kind of has to decide. And, you know, again, being in, you know, this position, I tend to have an opportunity to be like right out on the front edge of everything. But I don't at all think any less of somebody who, you know, I mean, how many times have we talked to guys who shot like amazing animals with like a 20 year old bow and they just love it? You know what I mean? Because, hey, you know, that's that's fine. Absolutely. I mean, hey, use what you want to use and back to the key word, fun. If it's fun, don't change it. You know, if it's not fun, make a change and make it fun again. That's that would be my best advice to everybody out there in the bow hunting slash hunting community. If you're not having fun, make changes to make it fun because this is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to enjoy and, and be able to relax and have fun while we're out there enjoying the outdoors and enjoying this experience that we're able to do, you know, I mean, some countries are not even allowed to hunt or it's, you know, there's a here in America. I mean, we're able to do all these adventures, all these trips, so many tags, so many different things that guy can bow hunt. I mean, we step back and think about it. It's pretty remarkable. The opportunities that we have. So have fun and enjoy yourself. Don't make it to be where it's like another job or make it to where it's, so much pressure on yourself or so much um there's so much adversity between this guy uses this it's the best no no, no this guy uses this and it's the best and just use what you want to use and what you think is the best for you and don't even worry about everybody else that's that's the key is not to worry about everybody else don't let the j word come into come into play that jealousy word that'll get you oh it's a i'll tell you what it's uh it's like a cancer that it is. will take over your mind if you let it gain a foothold. Um, it, will, it will rob you of all fun. It will rob you of all fun. It's like target panic, maybe even worse. It will rob you of all fun in the outdoors if you are constantly comparing you to other people or success to this success or, you know, just, yep. just yeah, don't, don't let yourself go down that road. It's That will take all fun away yep. from It'll, It'll steal your joy, no doubt about it. And and we're in a season, we're in the season of joy, so we don't want to let anything steal our joy. Okay, Clint, man, we you you and I, when we get together, we could go all day. And I I know we don't have that. So there's two things that I want to talk about before we wrap this up. One is let's talk a little bit. I want to hear your mindset on this whole hunting one buck thing. And then Because, again, I want to come back like, gosh, you 
you tell people about that big eight that you were hunting. He was absolutely gigantic, what you think he'd score and everything. And then, like I said, when I was out there, you passed up, I think, a couple like 150s bucks. And, and I think one of them came past you like two or three times in a two day period. And like, at what point I'm sitting there thinking, at what point does he not just say, hey, shift a game plan here. I'm on full send on this deer. Boom, I got a great feature for Peterson's bow hunting. You know, like it's it's fine. Um, yeah. it's, just talk to me about that a little bit because I've never really gone big on that whole hunting one buck thing but i mean there's an awful lot of folks like you who do yeah i mean i've kind of fallen in love with it i've done it you know on i don't know probably eight or ten bucks that i've been fortunate enough to kill um it's been kind of them or nothing and i've kind of fallen in love with learning one particular buck and what he likes to do and trying to figure out especially early on in the season or late in the season where it's more of bed to feed, feed to bed. And it's not just chaos in the rut. It's more of, I want to learn his game. You know, I'm basically going to walk into his house or walk onto his land per se and kill him without him knowing I'm there. I just, I like that chess match. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me to do that over the years. Uh, the one thing when I started doing that, that you had, or I had to get away from was, I would make a plan. All right, I'm going to hunt this buck. Either I'm going to kill him. He's going to get killed by somebody else where he disappears to the point where I have no idea where he is. And I've got to just assume that he's dead or he's totally gone and then find another buck. But until one of those three things happened, that was my rule. There was no going off that deer. And I've ate tags before because of this. Um, but I choose to do that. You know, that's that's a game in my own head. I've gotten to the point in the my bow hunting career where I feel like I've climbed the ladder. Um, and yeah, but 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 I mean, but I mean, how big would another buck have to be to get you off of that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, are you telling me if a two hundred would have walked in front of you that you wouldn't have shot it because you're waiting for that eight? No, not something like that. Yeah, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to let a once in a lifetime deer walk by because this other once in a lifetime deer hasn't shown yet. No, no, no. I mean, there's there's times where I'm going to completely go off the radar. But for example, this eight mainframe eight probably 27 inch beams probably seven eight inch brows twos and threes or i'm gonna say probably 11 to 12 plus i mean he's 100 in mass over 40 inches probably 22 23 wide i've got three years of history of him he's not he's a legit 170 inch gross mainframe eight with two little kickers off the one g2 i personally have never hunted an eight that big i've got a match set off a of big eight that goes 164, and he is definitely bigger than that match set that I've got. And I mean, that, you know, you can get an eight to go 140. I mean, that's a stud. I mean, I, I, it takes a lot of inches to go 140 as an eight point. You get one to go 150, 160 plus. I mean, you're talking, you're just not going to hunt many eights that are that big. And this is probably going to be the biggest eight maybe I ever hunt in my bow hunting career. I mean, there's just not many gross 178s running around. Um, in any state, anywhere. So I wanted to dedicate my season to him. Had a couple close calls. Um, and it was just, you know, it was it was a chess match. It was me versus him. And and I think hunting a specific buck, there's a lot of days where you're hoping that buck walks on a certain trail or walks out of a certain thicket. And what I've learned about mature bucks and hunting specific mature bucks is a lot of them don't like other deer. They're they're loners. Um there are a lot of days that I hunt, and once again, I choose to do this, where I don't see a deer. It's either that buck's going to show, or that's it. I might not see another deer the whole evening, the whole morning. I mean, there were some days, dark till dark in the rut, where I was hunting a specific spot that I knew at times he goes through a little pinch or a funnel. I'd see one or two deer, or I think there was even two days out of the 12 or 13 all day that I did not see a deer. But I know that. That's part, That's just part of it. Um so that was kind of something I had to get used to because I was always hunting where the majority of deer were. You'd see a lot of deer. Okay, a big buck didn't walk by today, but I saw 23 deer. That's awesome. When I shifted to hunting mature bucks and specific bucks, I learned real quick, they don't do what a lot of the other deer do. So that's something that, you know, I guess you could say that might be a negative to hunting a specific buck if, is 
lot of times they're loners. You know, you, you can't, I guess you can't get frustrated by not seeing a bunch of deer or by not seeing um, a bunch of bucks or, you know, whatever the case may be. You're kind of hunting one animal and hoping that you're there when he's there and he walks by. And a lot of times that's not where all the other deer usually are. You know, they don't do what other deer do a lot. They're, like I said, they're kind of loners. The bucks I let walk, oh yeah. I mean, they were five, six-year-old deer. The one's a 10, he's probably mid-50s. The other one's a big eight um, with kickers. Um, on the other side, big brows, he's probably in, in the 150s. I mean, for me to let him walk was, was hard. For an eight to be that big, um, big, huge brows, that was hard, but it, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the giant eight that I was, I was after. Now, I know this buck's been hit. Um, I'm not quite sure if he survived or not. I have no pictures. So now I'm shifting. I have no choice but to shift on to plan B. Plan B, find a good mature buck, which I've got two, I'm on two right now, and try to kill one of them. And I'd be more than happy with either one of them. Um, great bucks, both probably in the 150s, both. I'm going to say they're five, six-year-old. I'd be thrilled to kill those deer. But that wasn't until one of the three happened. I killed the big eight, the big eight gets killed, or the big eight moves on. And, and that's that's taking place now. So now in my head, I'm like, okay, I can shift off kind of my game plan and go to plan B. That's where I'm at now. But I tell people all the time, you know, hunting a specific buck or um, setting a goal to only kill one buck, uh, it's not for everybody. because I could see where a lot of people would hunt. If they hunted with me, they would have no fun. It would not be fun because you don't see it. I don't see a ton of deer. Um, a lot of long days of not seeing. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Because like when I was out there, you came over to, I, I was hanging out with Ryan uh, at his yep. cabin. You came over one night, you talk about the long days and it's like, I don't know how many how many days in a row you had sat dark to dark at that point, but you literally, what did I tell you? I said, you look like a meth addict on the street. <laughs> like you were all pale, white, yeah. and like you had bags under your eyes yeah. and like, you know, all the energy that everybody hears in your voice today. And we can see that smile on your face and that enthusiasm. You were just like, it looked like you were down like two quarts of oil, my man. Yeah, I mean, and there again, like that's that's part of the grind. Uh, like I embrace that. Like I, I like that. Um, it's fun to challenge myself against a mature buck, but I know what comes with that. I know what it takes, um, effort-wise, patience-wise, the mental, physical grind. I like that challenge, but that's fun to me. Like you yeah, yourself, but, but I, I I didn't like it because. You were no good for sitting around and hanging out and drinking beer. I want you. I want you to have enough energy to sit around and have a couple bush lights with me. Oh, you know what I mean? I was dead. I was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and like you and I have talked about this. You know, our good buddy Ryan. I mean, we've talked about this. You know, it's not for everybody because it wouldn't be fun for everybody. What's fun to me in doing this is not necessarily going to be fun to you. Like realistically, I don't ever see you having a major desire to do maybe hunt a specific buck thing or maybe maybe do it the way I do it just because it wouldn't be fun for you. Well, I one of the one of the one of the one of the big differences between you and me is just where we live. I mean, I might try to do I might try to do the hunt a specific buck thing if I lived in Ohio, but I mean, it's pretty dicey here in Pennsylvania. I mean, to even have a, a couple really nice bucks on camera is never a guarantee. I mean, some years I yep. do and some years I don't. And then yep. if you if you want to take it a step further and say, okay, now I'm going to try and hunt just that buck. Um, yep. You know, I'm not saying nobody does it here. If you have the right situation, if you have the right piece of ground, the right buck, yep. whatever. But for me, I'm just saying for me, the properties where I have permission to hunt, there's there's nowhere where you're not competing against other people yeah. for that deer and yeah. you know you you could do it like you said you could absolutely do it and you might get it done but but you have a real high likelihood of setting yourself up for at least what in my mind would be disappointment you know what i mean yeah yeah well and then again when it's all in what is fun all day sits for you you do a couple every year and you're like hey that's enough for me whereas me I think I did 13 or 14 this yeah. year. And I was gonna say, you always I'll do them. I'll, I'll do them like the first two weeks of November. 
when conditions look favorable for them, it's okay. And like I said, I killed my Kansas buck on an all-day set, and it was 3.40 in the afternoon. 3.40 is kind of an odd time, you know what I mean? Um, You know, but you can also look back and say, well, what if you wouldn't have done an all-day set? What if you would have sat until 10 or 11, gone in for lunch? You could have gone back out at 2 o'clock and got it back in that stand, theoretically, you know, killed this, killed the deer. So, you know, Hey, you could make an argument either way on that. Yep. Absolutely. Um, okay. Second thing before we wrap it up, right. I wanted to just ask you, cause I have a, I have an observation. Look back at your season. Tell me one thing. Okay. I'm, there's probably more than one, but we don't have time. What's one thing that you've taken away from your hunting experiences this year that you know is going to be a big benefit to you moving forward and is going to change the way that you do something or that you think about preparing for your hunts? I think for me, first thing would come to mind is that um, I'm not going to settle. I've had many opportunities this year to settle to, to stray away from my own plan or in my mind. And, and there could have been many reasons. I could have said, well, that's ah, not really the bull I want, but you know what? We could put it in the magazine or Christian and I can talk about it or I can post it on social media. That'd be cool. But in the back of my mind, it was, that's just not, it's, it's that's just not what you come here for. It's not what you, it's not what you wanted. So for me, um, there were times where, man, I was dead tired and beat and I was really questioning like, you know, tomorrow, should I just, should I sleep in a little bit and let my body rest and relax? Or, you know, should I maybe take a little break, you know, this last hunt, the deep snow and, and two foot of snow and 10 degree weather and making these big climbs, you know, it would have been easy to take a day off, I guess, and stray away from the plan and kind of settle because, oh, or this or that. For me, I never did that. And looking back now, um, to be honest, I may be more proud of that stuff then had I have punched the tag because it would have been really easy for me this year to settle on certain tags or settle on certain animals just to say I punched the tag. But there's a bit the bigger picture in this whole deal is not, like I said, just punching the tag. I stood true to my plan, stood true to my goals, um, gave it everything I had. So looking back, I'm definitely going to build on that. I know I don't need to settle to make myself happy. And I know that I'm OK with eating tags. I'm OK with tough hunts. Um, I think it makes me tougher in all aspects and it makes me a better bow hunter or even just in life, you know, whether it's a job or running around like crazy with the kids, you know, I mean, they're just, I'm not one to settle. And that's something that I'm really proud about because I've had opportunities this year to settle. Um, and I just haven't, you know, I've stuck to my plan, stuck to my guns. And, and that's something that I want to build on for the following hunts and following years, you know, it is that type of attitude and that type of mentality. I think it keeps me on track in life and in bow hunting, you know? Yeah. Well, that's good. So, so, so Casper's not gonna, he's not just gonna, you know, do something to get a good social media post, you know, he's that's, you know what I mean? Which is good. Cause not, none of us should, you know what I mean? Like if you had a plan and you're willing to stick with it, you're basically saying, you know, it's big risk, big reward. And, yep. and you're, you're going to live with that. And sometimes, sometimes it's going to come up empty. You know, yep. it's like, it's funny. I got a pair of dice sitting here on my desk. It's like Casper is willing to roll the dice. And if it comes up, if it comes up, you know, snake eyes, so be it, you know? It is, it is, yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it is. And and if I'm trying to just get social media likes, all I need to do is post a picture with your youngest, Timmy, and I'll have everybody from, you know, Michael Jordan to Kim Youngwood in between like the photo because Timmy's pretty much about as big as it gets. He was was telling me. He was telling you know, me about this this girl from school who was trying to cuddle with him last night. Oh, it's it's a curse. Yeah, I mean, he just he he gets that all the time. You know, it's tough. But does she realize that she's one of 30, 40 that's lined up? Well, that's the problem. They realize how much competition, so they're all trying to come in from every angle. 
I mean, one one Tom can only entertain so many heads. I mean, but, but they but they all they all try to do their best though, don't they? You see those turkeys, man. They're they're running around all over the place. You can always speak and drum. You know, yep. so much. I mean, well, he likes to puff his chest, so there's no doubt about that. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, listen, as much as I know you want to just talk about Timmy, I've got to share my little tidbit of wisdom and then we'll wrap it up. So for me, as I look back, you know, one thing and I didn't mention this earlier, I think I. I don't know if I mentioned that the place that I was hunting here at home was a new spot this year. You know, last year uh, was the peak of the pandemic. And there were so many, you know, everyone's heard the stories about, you know, how much more hunting was going on and how many new hunters and everything because of the social distancing and everything. I had a really frustrating season in 2020 here at home, just running into people and... I got a buddy that owns a farm where I've hunted a lot, like over the last decade plus, and I didn't really want to do it, but I knew based on my experience last year, I just needed to go find new ground. And so I made it like a priority this past spring and summer to get access to some new places. And and so I think whether it's, um, you know, finding new areas to hunt all together or moving within those areas, my advice would just be don't get too comfortable in your bow hunting. I think here in Pennsylvania, you know, I was maybe a little bit on that slippery slope of having gotten a little too comfortable and I needed that kick in the pants last year to force me um, to, to, to make some changes and you know, find those unpressured pockets. And sometimes, you know, that could be a whole new property altogether, or even within a given property, like that place where I killed my buck and that doe that I shared the story with, that was a spot where it's just a little bit, um, that's a big cornfield and there's nowhere to get close to it really with a vehicle. You have to park down at the road and you got to walk up this big hill. And I, I could just tell, from the fact that there wasn't, from from my cameras and what I was seeing, there wasn't a lot of pressure in there. And that was a great spot to just hunt, you know, sparingly. Really only hunted there two times, you know, and killed two deer uh, this fall. Um, to just be, and then the whole saddle thing, you know, so like never, never resting in terms of fi- making sure you have like an unpressured deer to hunt. Because once they get pressured, gosh it gets so so hard and yep. that's what that's what i've been seeing over at my main quote main farm where i i've hunted for so many years i'm seeing how much harder it's getting to to kill deer there and to find a quality buck there because the pressures were really hurting things so finding those areas and then moving and keeping fresh spots within those areas i mean that's nothing earth shattering that's kind of like bow hunting 101 but yep to see how much impact it really has in the real world. I think we all need to be reminded of that sometimes. So for everyone who's listening, you know, unless you're a madman like Clint Casper and you didn't kill, you didn't punch tags just because, you know, you were surrounded by great deer, but you were hunting that one, that's one thing. But there's a lot more guys out there rather than doing that. They just didn't punch tags because they didn't even have a chance all fall to shoot any good buck. And so if that's you, if you're sitting out there, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, yeah, I had a really frustrating season. And it wasn't because I was hunting 170 inch eight pointer. It was just because I never really even saw any quality bucks. Don't let that happen to you again next year. And the only one who can change it is you. And so you've got to you got to basically resolve in your heart, in your mind right now. I'm not going to do that again. You know, Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And how many of us go to the same places, to the same stands year after year after year, and you you keep on being unhappy with the results and you're pissing and moaning about it. And it's like, well, stop, just stop doing that. Go somewhere else and do something else. But sometimes I think in closing, guys need to go back to the basics. We get so caught up in the, the, the new rage 
um, of tactics or techniques or whatever, you know, go back. Oh, I thought you were going to attack rage. I'm like, oh, he's going to put down the new rage. He said rage. And I'm like, you better not put down rage. I shot all my gear with the new rage hypodermic NC. And I'm throwing that out there just to make a whole bunch of guys mad. Cause it seems like when it comes to rage, you either love them or you hate them. And I also probably just made Casper mad cause he's a separate man. Well, yeah, but hey, I've shot a million animals with rage long ago. That's all I shot for six, seven years, and I had great results with them and whatnot. I mean, hey, I've always been a fan of them, but no, I just meant, you know, there's new trads, new fin, you know, new trends. Um, you know, hey, sometimes you just got to go back to basics. Deer sign, play the wind. You want to run cameras? Don't view cameras as the only telltale deal and that's something we could do a whole podcast about it. i was gonna say don't get on that now we don't have time for that but we are gonna do I, you stole that from me i told you when i was out in ohio this fall i'm writing a story next year called what the camera doesn't see because i because because i think we're all getting a little too obsessed with these cameras and we 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 think that the camera is the end-all be-all and if there's nothing on the camera that there's nothing there and that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, Absolutely. cameras cameras are great tools, but they're a trap at the same yeah. time. Well, they're not the only tool. And I think we get caught up in that. That's the that's the Bible. That's the law. It's If the camera doesn't show a big buck there, there's no big buck there. But you're covering a 30 by 20 foot space. You know, but anyway, that's, hey, your article is going to cover that. I'm sure we'll do a podcast about this. And we'll cover the, we'll, we'll dive into that rabbit hole. Um, we don't have time for that right now. Well, and, and, you know, I want to thank you for catching yourself there, too, because for a minute there, you started to think that you were on the WCB podcast and you were going to start to use some colorful language and you kept it clean for all the good Peterson's bowhunting family, family oriented uh, podcast. So I thank you for that. I hope you have all your Christmas uh, gifts wrapped. And I hope that the boys are going I hope Santa is going to be very good to the boys tomorrow. Oh, he's he he was yes yes. Uh, I don't think they were as good as the gifts are going to show that they were, but that's okay. And I guess we we'll cut them a little bit of slack. Well, and I'm sure that grandma and grandpa are going to be very good to them too. I can only imagine the pile of gifts for those kids around Bill and Roxanne's tree. Pretty much from all angles, all sides. Yeah, they'll be they'll be very well taken care of. That's for sure. <laughs> no shortage. Well, well, listen, man, uh, like I said at the beginning, nobody else I'd rather spend Christmas Eve with than that. my man, Clint Casper. Um, glad to know that the boys are going to have a Merry Christmas. And I hope that Santa has a big buck under your tree. And so sometime here right. in, the, in the next 30 days or so, I'm going to be like waiting for that text to come in. And it's going to be like, I finally sealed the deal, Berg. And I'm going to be like, damn, damn straight, Casper. I knew it was only a matter of time, but I was starting to get worried. Well, a little bit of worry is okay, but I can't thank you guys enough for having me on. It's always my pleasure. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Hope everybody has a great holiday. And don't forget the reason for the season. That's important. Don't get lost in the shuffle with muscle. That's right. So it'll be too late. For most people by the time they listen to this but get yourself to church this evening and uh yep remember what it's all about because it's not about those presents under the tree so it's a uh, it's about uh the opportunity to have the greatest gift that you could ever have and that is new life uh so take advantage of it my friends thanks again clint and until we talk again God bless. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.